0: Chapter Eleven of Return of the Mucker by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joe Danoya, Somerset, New Jersey. Barbara releases a conspirator. It was a week later, yet Grayson was still growling about the loss of that there Brazos pony. Grayson, the boss, and the boss's daughter were sitting upon the veranda of the ranch house when the foreman reverted to the subject. "I knew I didn't have no business hiring a man that can't ride," he said. Why, that there Brazos pony never did stumble, and if he'd have stumbled, he'd have stood around a year, waiting to be caught up again. I just can't figure it out no ways of that, that there Tenderfoot bookkeeper of him. He must have shooed him away with a stick, and saddle and bridle and all gone too. Doggone it. I'm the one who should be peeved, spoke up the girl with a wry smile. Brazos was my pony. He's the one you picked out for me to ride while I am here. But I'm sure poor Mr. Bridge feels as badly about it as anyone, and I know that he couldn't help it. We shouldn't be too hard on him. We might just as well attempt to hold him responsible for the looting of the bank and the loss of the payroll money. Well, said Grayson, I gave him that horse, cause I knew he couldn't ride it, and that was the safest in the cave. I wished I'd give him Santa Anna instead. I wouldn't mind losing him. They won't know and ride him anyhow. He's that ordinary. The thing that surprises me the most, remarked the boss, is that Brazos doesn't come back. He was foaled on this range, and he's never been ridden anywhere else, has he? He was foaled right here on this ranch, Grayson gritted him. He ain't never been more'n a hundred miles from it. If he ain't dead or stolen, he'd have been back before bookkeeper was. That's almighty queer. What sort of bookkeeper is Mister Bridge? Asked the girl. Well, he's all right, I guess," replied Grayson grudgingly. The fellow's got to be some good at something. He's probably one of these here paper-collar, cracker-fed college dudes that don't know nothin' except writing in books. The girl rose, smiled, and moved away. I like Mr. Bridge anyhow, she called back over her shoulder, for whatever he may not be, he is certainly a well-bred gentleman, which speech did not tend to raise, Mr. Bridge, in the estimation of the hard-fisted ranch foreman. Funny them greasers don't come in from the North Range with that bunch of steers. They've been gone all day now, he said to the boss, ignoring the girl's parting, Sally. Bridge sat tip-tilted against the front of the office building, reading an ancient magazine which he had found within. His day's work was done, and he was but waiting for the gang that would call him into the evening meal with the other employees of the ranch. The magazine failed to rouse his interest. He let it drop idly to his knees, and with eyes closed reverted to his never-failing source of entertainment. And that there slim, poetic guy he turned and looked me in the eye. It's overland and overland and overseas to where? Most anywhere that isn't here, I says. His face went kind of queer. This place we're in is always here. The other place is there bridge stretched luxuriously there he repeated i've been searching for there for many years but for some reason i can never get away from here i've got two weeks of any place on earth and that place is just plain here to me and i'm longing once again for there his musings were interrupted by a sweet feminine voice close by bridge did not open his eyes at once he just sat there listening as i was hiking past the woods the cool and sleepy summer woods i saw a guy talking to the sunshine in the air thinks i he's going to have a fit I'll stick around and watch a bit. But he paid no attention, hardly knowing I was there. Then the girl broke into a merry laugh, and Bridge opened his eyes and came to his feet. "'I didn't know you cared for that sort of stuff,' he said. "'Nibs writes man-verse. I shouldn't have imagined that it would appeal to you, young lady.' "'But it does, though,' she replied, at least to me. "'There's a swing to it and a freedom that gets me in the eye.' Again she laughed, and when this girl laughed, hard-headed and much older men like Mr. L. Bridge felt strange emotions move within their breasts. For a week, Barbara had seen a great deal of the new bookkeeper. Aside from her father, he was the only man of culture and refinement of which the rancho could boast, or, as the rancho would have put it, be ashamed of. She had often sought the veranda of the little office and lured the bookkeeper from his work, and on several occasions had had him at the ranch house. Not only was he an interesting talker, but there was an element of mystery about him which appealed to the girl's sense of romance. She knew that he was a gentleman born and weird and she had often found herself wondering what tragic train of circumstances had set him adrift among the flotsam of humanity's wreckage. Two, the same persistent conviction that she had known him somewhere in the past that possessed her father clung to her mind, and she could not place him. "'I overheard your dissertation of here and there,' said the girl. "'I cannot very well help it. It would have been rude to interrupt the conversation.' Her eyes sparkled mischievously, and her cheeks dimpled. "'You wouldn't have been interrupting a conversation,' objected Bridge, smiling. You would have been turning a monologue into a conversation. But it was a conversation, insisted the girl. The wanderer was conversing with the bookkeeper. You are a victim of wanderlust, Mr. Elbridge. Don't deny it. You hate bookkeeping, or any other such prosaic vocation as requires permanent residence in one place. Come now, expostulated the man. That is hardly fair. Haven't I been here a whole week? They both laughed. What in the world could have induced you to remain so long? Cried Barbara. How very much like an old-timer you must feel one of the oldest inhabitants. I'm a regular aborigine, declared Bridge, but his heart would have chosen another reply. It would have been glad to tell the girl that there was a real reason and a very growing inducement to remain in El Orobo Rancho. The man was too self-controlled, however, to give way to the impulses of his heart. At first he had just liked the girl, and been immensely glad of her companionship because there was so much that was common to them both—a love for good music, good pictures, and good literature— things Bridge hadn't had an opportunity to discuss with another for a long, long time. And slowly he had found delight in just sitting and looking at her. He was experienced enough to realize that this was a dangerous symptom, and so from the moment that he had been forced to acknowledge it to himself, he had been very careful to guard his speech and his manner in the girl's presence. He found pleasure in dreaming of what might have been, as he sat watching the girl's changing expression as different moods possessed her. But as for permitting a hope, even of realization of his dreams, Ah, he was far too practical for that, dreamer though he was. As the two talked, Grayson passed, his rather stern face clouded as he saw the girl and the new bookkeeper laughing there together. "'Ain't you got nothing to do?' he asked Bridge. "'Yes, indeed,' replied the latter. "'Then why don't you do it?' snapped Grayson. "'I am,' said Bridge. "'Mr. Bridge is entertaining me,' interrupted the girl, before Grayson could make any rejoinder. "'It is my fault. I took him from his work. "'You don't mind, do you, Mr. Grayson?' Grayson mumbled an inarticulate reply and went his way. Mr. Grayson does not seem particularly enthusiastic about me, laughed Bridge. No, replied the girl candidly, but I think it's just because you can't ride. Can't ride, ejaculated Bridge. Why, haven't I been riding ever since I came here? Mr. Grayson doesn't consider anything in the way of equestrianism riding, unless the ridden is perpetually seeking the life of the rider, explained Barbara. Just at present he is terribly put out because you lost Brazos. He said Brazos never stumbled in his life, and even if you had fallen from his back, he would have stood beside you, waiting for you to remount him. You see, he was the kindest horse on the ranch, especially picked for me to ride. However in the world did you lose him, Mr. Bridge? The girl was looking full at the man as she propounded her query. Bridge was silent. A faint flush overspread his face. He had not before known that the horse was hers. He couldn't very well tell her the truth, and he wouldn't lie to her, so he made no reply. Barbara saw the flush and noted the man's silence. For the first time her suspicions were aroused, yet she would not believe that this gentle, amiable drifter could be guilty of any crime greater than negligence or carelessness. But why his evident embarrassment now? The girl was mystified. For a moment or two they sat in silence. Then Barbara rose. I must run along back now, she explained. Papa will be wondering what has become of me. Yes, said Bridge, and let her go. He would have been glad to tell her the truth but he couldn't do that without betraying Billy. He had heard enough to know that Francisco Villa had been so angered over the bold looting of the bank in the face of the company of his own soldiers that he would stop at nothing to secure the person of the thief once his identity was known. Bridge was perfectly satisfied with the ethics of his own act on the night of the bank robbery. He knew that the girl would have applauded him, and that Grayson himself would have done what Bridge did had a like emergency confronted the ranch foreman. But to have admitted complicity in the escape of the fugitive would have been to have exposed himself to the wrath of Villa and at the same time revealed the identity of the thief. Nor, thought Bridge, would he get Brazos back for Barbara? It was after dark when the vaqueros Grayson had sent the North Range returned to the ranch. They came empty-handed and slowly, for one of them supported a wounded comrade on the saddle before him. They rode directly to the office where Grayson and Bridge were going over some of the business of the day, and when the former saw them, his brow clouded, for he knew, before he had heard their story, what had happened. Who done it? he asked, as the men filed into the office, half carrying the wounded man. Some of Peseda's followers, replied Benito. Did they give the steers too? inquired Grayson. Part of them. We drove off most and scattered them. We saw the Brazos pony too, and Benito looked from beneath heavy lashes in the direction of the bookkeeper. Where? asked Grayson. One of Peseda's officers rode him, an Americano. Tony and I saw the same man in Quivaca the night the bank was robbed, and today he was riding the Brazo's pony again the dark eyes turned toward bridge grayson was quick to catch the significance of the mexican's meaning the more so as it was directly in line with the suspicions which he himself had been nursing since the robbery during the colloquy the boss entered the office he had heard the return of vaquero's ride into the ranch and noting that they brought no steers with him had come to the office to hear their story barbara spurred by curiosity accompanied her father you heard what benito says asked grayson turning toward his employer the latter nodded all eyes were upon bridge "'Well,' snapped Grayson, "'what are you got to say for yourself? I've been suspecting you right along. I knew darned well that that there Brazos Pony never run off by itself. You and that other crook from the States framed this whole thing up pretty slick, didn't you?' "'Well, we'll—wait a minute, wait a minute, Grayson,' interrupted the boss. "'Give Mr. Bridge a chance to explain. You're making a rather serious charge against him without any particular strong proof to back your accusation.' "'Oh, that's all right,' exclaimed Bridge with a smile. I have known that Mr. Grayson suspected me of implication in the robbery, but who can blame him? A man who can't ride may be guilty of almost anything." Grayson sniffed. Barbara took a step nearer Bridge. She had been ready to down him himself only an hour or so ago, but that was before he had been accused. Now that she found others arrayed against him, her impulses were to come to his defense. "'You didn't do it, did you, Mr. Bridge?' Her tone was almost pleading. "'If you mean robbing the bank,' he replied. "'I did not, Miss Barbara.' I knew no more about it until after it was over than Benito or Tony. In fact, they were the ones who discovered it while I was still asleep in my room above the bank. "'Well, how did the robber get that there Brazos pony, then?' demanded Grayson savagely. "'That's what I want to know.' "'You'll have to ask him, Mr. Grayson,' replied Bridge. "Vee'd ask him when he gets a hold of him,' snapped Grayson. "'But I reckon he'll get all the information out of you that he wants first. "'They'll be in Quivaca tomorrow, and so will you.' "'You mean that you're going to turn me over to General Villa?' asked Bridge. "'You're going to turn an American over to that butcher, "'knowing that he'll be shot inside of twenty-four hours?' "'Shootin's too damn good for a horse-thief,' replied Grayson. Barbara turned impulsively toward her father. "'You won't let Mr. Grayson do that,' she asked. "'Mr. Grayson knows best how to handle such affairs as this, Barbara,' replied her father. "'He is my superintendent, and I have made it a point never to interfere with him.' "'You will let Mr. Bridge be shot without making an effort to save him?' she demanded." "'We do not know that he will be shot,' replied the ranch owner. "'If he is innocent, there is no reason why he should be punished. "'If he is guilty of implication in the Covaca bank robbery, "'he deserves, according to the rules of war, to die. "'For General Villa, I am told, considers that a treasonable act. "'Some of the funds upon which his government depends for munitions of war were there. "'They were stolen and turned over to the enemies of Mexico. "'If we interfere, we'll turn Villa against us,' interposed Grayson. "'He ain't any too keen for Americans as it is.' well if this fellow was my brother i'd have to turn him over to the authorities well i thank god exclaimed bridge fervently that in addition to being shot by via i don't have to endure the added disgrace of being related to you and i'm not so sure that i should be hanged by via and with that he wiped the oil lamp from the table against which he had been leaning and leaped across the room for the doorway barbara and her father had been standing nearest the exit and as the girl realized the bold break for liberty the man was making she pushed her father to one side and threw open the door bridge was through it in an instant with a parting god bless you little girl as he passed her then the door was closed with a bang barbara turned the key withdrew it from the lock and threw it across the darkened room grayson and the unwounded mexicans leaped after the fugitive only to find it their way barred by the locked door outside bridge ran to the horses standing patiently with lowered heads awaiting the return of their masters in an instant he was astride one of them and lashing the others ahead of him with a quirt. he spurred away into the night By the time Grayson and the Mexicans had wormed their way through one of the small windows of the office, the new bookkeeper was beyond sight and earshot. As the ranch foreman was saddling up with several of his men in the corral to give chase to the fugitive, the boss strolled in and touched him on the arm. Mr. Grayson, he said, I have made it the point never to interfere with you, but I am going to ask you now not to pursue Mr. Bridge. I shall be glad if he makes good his escape. Barbara was right. He is a fellow American. We cannot turn him over to Villa, or any other Mexican, to be murdered. Grumblingly, Grayson unsaddled. "'If you've seen what I've seen around here,' he said, "'I guess you wouldn't be so keen to save this feller's hide.' "'What do you mean?' asked the boss. "'I mean he's been trying to make love to your daughter.' The older man laughed. "'Don't be a fool, Grayson,' he said, and walked away. An hour later, Barbara was strolling up and down before the ranch house in the cool and refreshing air of the Chihuahua night. Her mind was occupied with disquieting reflections of the past few hours. Her pride was immeasurably hurt by the part impulse had forced her to take in the affair at the office. Not that she regretted that she had connived in the escape of Bridge, but it was humiliating that a girl of her position should have been compelled to play so melodramatic a part before Grayson and his Mexican vaqueros. Then, too, was she disappointed in Bridge. She had looked upon him as a gentleman whose misfortune and wanderlust had reduced to the lowest stratum of society. Now she feared that he belonged to that substratum which lies below the lowest, which society recognizes as a part of itself, and which is composed solely of the criminal class. It was hard for Barbara to realize that she had associated with a thief, Just for a moment it was hard, until recollection forced her upon the unwelcome fact of the status of another whom she had known, to whom she had given her love. The girl did not wince at a thought. Instead, she squared her shoulders and raised her chin. "'I am proud of him, whatever he may have been,' she murmured. But she was not thinking of the new bookkeeper. When she did think again of Bridge, it was to be glad that he had escaped, for he is an American, like myself. "'Well,' exclaimed a voice behind her, "'you played us a pretty trick, Miss Barbara.' The girl turned to see Grayson approaching. To her surprise, he seemed to hold no resentment whatsoever. She greeted him courteously. "'I couldn't let you turn an American over to General Villa,' she said, no matter what he had done. "'I liked your spirit,' said the man. "'You're the kind of girl I've been looking for all my life. One with nerve and grit. You got em both. You liked that bookkeeper Critter, and he wasn't half a man. I like you, and I am a man, if I do say so myself.' The girl drew back in astonishment. "'Mr. Grayson,' she exclaimed. "'You are forgetting yourself.' "'No, I ain't,' he cried hoarsely. "'I love you and I'm going to have you.' "'You'd love me too if you knew me better.' He took a step forward and grasped her arm, trying to draw her to him. The girl pushed him away with one hand and with the other struck him across the face. Grayson dropped her arm, and as he did so she drew herself to her full height and looked him straight in the eyes. "'You may go now,' she said, her voice like ice. "'I shall never speak of this to anyone, provided you never attempt to repeat it.' He made no reply the blow in the face had cooled his ardor temporarily but had it not also served another purpose to crystallize it into a firm and inexorable resolve when he had departed barbara turned and entered the house chapter eleven